This week on Buffy the Gilmore Slayer. With women, it's never just about Spider-Man. It's never just about Spider-Man. Welcome to Above the Gilmore Slayer. I'm Brian Morris. I'm Stacey Kulo, and we're both comedians. And a couple. And I've never seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer, one of Brian's favorite shows. And I've never seen Gilmore Girls, one of Stacey's favorite shows. So we're watching both shows together, all seven seasons, comparing them as we go. And this week we watch season six, episode four of both shows, starting with Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Flooded. As well as Gilmore Girls, Always a Godmother, Never a God. These were both mediocre. Yeah, these aren't uh, killing it yet. We're not getting to the meat of the seasons yet. We watch these for our watch party with our watch party patrons. Yeah. I'm a little under the weather. Yeah, Stacy got her booster, the Omicron booster. She's yeah. feeling a little, a little down, but not as bad as last time. No, I had a bad headache, but it's not as bad as when I got the previous booster. We both got the J&J the first time, and it wasn't too bad. But then when we got our first boosters, we got the Moderna. And then I think the vaccines like fought inside of our bodies because it was rough. Yeah. I'm going to a Gilmore Girls fan fest in Maine. Jealous. Yeah, I would love if Brian could go, but there'll probably be spoilies. So I'm going. By the time this comes out, I'll have just returned. So next week, I'll let you know how it was. That's not true, because we'll probably record next week before I go as well. But, you know, at some point, I'll let you know how it went, and I'll post stuff on social media, which you'll have already seen. Time's crazy. Time is crazy. But I wanted to get this new booster before that. Because there's just going to be a lot of people there. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're finishing out our series of Q&A questions we didn't answer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Either because we messed up or they were submitted after we recorded it. This week's question is, how have your opinions of your own show changed throughout this experience? Are there aspects you remember liking more, less? I mean, for me, for sure. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, I've talked about this ad nauseum, so I don't want to like talk about it forever, but... My opinion on Xander has changed substantially, and I've talked about this. I was a young 16-year-old boy who was funny and an outcast at school, so I think I sort of associated with him for that reason. But rewatching it, sometimes it's like, Xander, I mean, did you legitimately kind of float the idea of your friend giving you a lap dance? That's your friend. Like, that's not, there's no way to say that's not a little toxic. Again, he's like a, he's a child, especially at the beginning of the show. So you have to forgive some of the stuff that you'd be like, yeah, kids are dumb. I cringe at some of the stuff I've said when I was younger. But I don't, I'm not in love with the character and I do not really identify with him at all rewatching it now. Because I got the girl. Oh, you mean you keep her in the closet? You know about that? <laughs> yeah, I keep her in the closet and she's never leaving. I don't know that mine have really changed. I feel like it's what I expected and remembered. I will maybe be able to answer that better once we've completed it, because I know six and seven are a bit of a bummer for a lot of people. Yeah. And I remember not thinking that the first time. I mean, I don't, maybe I didn't enjoy them as much as the others, but I remember not really being bothered by the things people are bothered by. So I'll be interested to see how I feel now. And I do think this is the first time I've actually like watched the series start to finish Mm -hmm. consistently. Like, when I got all the DVDs, I started from the beginning at some point, but I don't think I made it super far. It's possible when I watched season six and seven, mostly live, that I had mostly watched the beginning sequentially as it was on TV, but probably not exactly. Probably missed some. So this is my first time, like, absorbing the whole series as a a piece. Right. 
But I mean, you've also never binged it. No, no, I haven't. Like you watched it over the course of seven years, which is different than binging it. Yeah. You forget stuff. Oh, totally. I would say I don't remember there being as many like continuity errors. That's something that's probably harder to pick up on when you're watching it week to week as opposed to. Yeah. And also watching it sort of random episodes here and there like I did. Yeah. When I was watching it in reruns on ABC Family, it was aired in order, but like I probably would miss a day here and there. You also weren't dissecting it for a podcast, so <laughs> you might overlook some stuff. Yeah, but the show really is bad at that. It's unfortunate. Yeah, it's weird about that. I feel like my opinion of The Boyfriends is the same so far. But again, I think I need to finish it out to see if I still feel that way. I did think that season five was not as strong as I remember. Yeah, I think it's just because that last episode with Glory is just so good. The season five finale is legitimately super good. And that was the last thing I remember of season five. So it was like, season five is great. It's like, well, no, that is great. And Glory is great a couple of times. But then there's also a lot of stuff that sucks. <laughs> it's not good. Yeah. Spike falling in love with Buffy was a great like plot twist. And they played that really well. But also season five had a lot of not fun stuff. So... A little bit. Mostly no is the answer to the question. Well, this week we started watching Buffy. Stacy, can you please tell us all about Flooded? Flooded is about Buffy having to deal with bills. And also a trio of nerds is robbing a bank and <laughs> their muscle is mad about it and after her. Yeah, babe. There's mostly bills. Giles is back. Giles is back. That's the nice part. Having Giles back is great. I'm so glad he's going to stay forever. Right, I'm sure. Still a guest star. Okay, so Buffy is dealing with one of her toughest foes yet, leaky pipes. <laughs> she's down in the basement with a wrench. Dawn wants to call a plumber. Buffy insists she's got it. She tightens a pipe nut, which somehow causes every pipe to burst. I'm not even sure what happens is possible. No, that's like a cartoon. Like, that doesn't make any sense. There's just, like, water coming out of everything because she tightens something. <laughs> I would be like, oh, okay, so my house is haunted if that happened. Yeah, which is plausible in this universe. After the intro, I think it's the same day, Buffy, Dawn, Willow, and Tara are all in the kitchen having breakfast. Dawn's in different clothes, probably because she got wet. Maybe those were her jammies she was wearing before, but Buffy's in the same clothes. Very dry, perfect hair. I don't know why she didn't have to change. <laughs> Buffy's just running water in the sink, staring at it, kind of half participating in the conversation. She's like, yeah, Dawn, breakfast is very important. You should eat it at least three times a day. Here's what I don't understand. So she's running water upstairs mm -hmm. while there's a plumber downstairs, right? Mm -hmm. I can't understand a situation where the water's not turned off for the whole house right now. Yeah, unless the plumber like needed her to run water. But then at some point, Willow like turns it off when Buffy's being weird. Yeah. So I'm guessing Buffy just turned it on. Is this the bot? Like, she's acting weird. <laughs> Xander comes upstairs with Tito, the plumber. He's mentioned Tito, the guy he kind of gets along with at work. Yeah. We going to see more Tito? We do not. Well, I, I don't know that. We might. He's not a character, though. Okay. It's possible he pops up again. I didn't catch that it was Tito the first time we watched it. That's fun. That it is the guy he mentioned. I was going to, like, make a joke and ask if that was Tito, but he, he says it is. Tito's like, yeah, all your pipes are broken. You got to replace the whole thing. Everyone but Buffy seems very concerned about the price, so they take this opportunity to sit Buffy down and tell her she's what you'd call financially effed. Yeah. Joyce had life insurance, but it all went towards hospital bills. Buffy doesn't seem worried. She promises she'll figure out how to take care of it. Anya's like, I have an idea. 
start charging for your slaying services. Everyone kind of scoffs at this idea. Like, come on, Anya. You mean the entire premise of the show Angel? <laughs> what? Yeah, I know. It's so funny. <laughs> Dawn's like, come on, you can't charge people for saving their lives. Anya says Spider-Man does it, which she gets into a fight with Dawn about. I thought that was so funny. Yeah. Eventually dragging Xander into it, who confirms that Spider-Man does not charge. <laughs> she brings it up and turns to Xander. You could just tell he's like, I don't, I don't want to answer. <laughs> obviously spider-man is in charge yeah and you could just see he's like i don't want to make her mad but obviously she does get mad she storms out she's like why don't you ever take my side anya's wearing a shirt that's sleeves have been bitten off by sharks yeah what is this <laughs> they go fight outside but anya's mad about more than just spider-man right it's never with women let's be real with women it's never it's just never about spider-man Spider <laughs> she's still pissed that he hasn't told them they're engaged. Which, yeah, what the fuck is his problem? <laughs> she should yeah, be Yeah, at this point, what are we doing? There's no reason to hide it anymore. He's like, I promise we can tell them soon. She's like, well, what's up? Do you not want to get married? He says he does, but he's still getting used to, like, being on his own and having money. And being a husband is a huge step. And he wants every step to be just right. And then they start playing sweet music, and she seems satisfied, and they kiss. And she's like, hey, wait a minute. I'm not falling for this. You haven't fixed anything. It's pretty funny, because she had red lipstick on, and now mm -hmm. he's just standing there looking dumb with lipstick all over his face. Yeah. She asks when he's going to grow up and walks away. Did he just propose because the world was ending? I don't really get what they're doing here. Like, is this going somewhere? Why is... I believe him when he says he's just not sure about the step, but he's the one that made it happen. Right. I don't know, man. This whole plot line is... I don't know if it's supposed to be that Xander legit is waiting or if we're supposed to think that he legitimately proposed to her because, you know, it was like a crazy moment. He's worried about... Or he's having second thoughts now. I don't know. But I can't really think of a justification for why he's not mentioning it at this point. Yeah, I mean, what he said is a fair reason to not want to get married. But then he's the one that proposed. It's not like she did and he said yes without thinking about it. Right. She actually kind of said no, and he had to, like, talk her into it. Yeah. Whatever. Buffy's got a meeting at the bank, trying to get a loan. She's not great at it. Send the Buffy bot. She aced that PTA meeting. Yeah. I mean, the Buffy bot's not doing great right now. Yeah, I guess we don't know her status. Did they go back and gather her after she got chain ripped apart? Buffy's brought every piece of paper she owns. The banker <laughs> barely looks at any of it, and he's like, nah. The only collateral you have is your house, and that's not really worth anything because it's in Sunnydale. Also, we don't give loans to people without jobs. Just then, a big buff demon in, like, Uncle Jesse clothes busts in. Uncle Jesse being... From Full House. From Full... Yeah. He's terrorizing everyone in the bank. Buffy goes to fight him, but finds it a little difficult to do in her loan-getting skirt. She uses a letter opener to slice a slit in it, fights the demon... Meanwhile, someone's face who we don't see is putting a bunch of money in a sack. The demon picks up Buffy. A very timid cop shows up with a gun, tells him to put her down. He throws Buffy at the cop. Buffy tells the cop that guns are never helpful and, like, throws the gun, which goes off. Buffy doesn't like guns. I think she's made that very clear. I get I don't really get the joke. Like, guns do seem to kill some demons, like in Angel. Yeah, but I Recently. think that Buffy specifically, not just the show, but Buffy Summers, has specifically decided that she doesn't like guns, that they tend not to help. They're just bad. But they could help. Well, I mean, they, I think if you look at, like, the initiative, too, 
there was like that scene where she saw Riley in her dream with a gun. I think guns for Buffy are a symbol of like not good problem solving. Guns bad. Fire pretty. <laughs> she does say fire's pretty in this episode. Yeah. They're like pitching ways to fix her financial situation. She like jokes that they'll just burn it down for the insurance money. But I think she also said fire pretty when she was a caveman. Yeah, she said it a couple times at this she point. She said fire bad, tree pretty in graduation. Mm. Her feelings about fire are not straightforward. Yeah, come on, writers. I know we give Gilmore shit for this, but does <laughs> Buffy think fire's pretty or not? <laughs> the demon gets away. Buffy's like, so about that loan? I just saved your life. What can you do for me? You know what's especially funny that I just thought of? Mm. Is that this is like pretty much a scene from the second Spider-Man film. Really? Yeah, in Spider-Man 2, he's trying to get a loan with uh, his aunt, and the guy's not, Joel McHale, is like not going to give it to him, and then Doc Ock shows up. It's the same thing. Was that out at this time? I think so. Spider-Man 2, Tobey Maguire? Yeah, that's the name. Spider-Man 2, colon, Tobey Maguire. Um, 2002 is Spider-Man. 2004 is Spider-Man 2. So no, that was not out yet. So you think Spider-Man was watching Buffy and they caught the Spider-Man reference and they were like, let's make a movie with this scene in it. Anyway, that's a wink, winky dink. Yeah, a wink, winky dink. Later at the magic shop, we find out still no loan. Willow and Buffy are in the back while Buffy uses the punching bag in total darkness. Are we not paying the bills at the magic shop either? There's like no lights on. Last week it was also (laughs) very dark. Well, Anya's running it now, so she's probably running it with a strict budget. (laughs) Willow can tell Buffy is mad by the way she's punching the bag. Which she's happy about. It's good that Buffy's feeling emotions because she's been acting kind of numb lately. But I guess her anger passes, so Willow then tries to make her mad by telling her stuff like she slept with Riley and Angel. Buffy can tell she's lying. Willow, you don't have to try so hard. She already resents you. (laughs) But then Willow's just kind of like, my bad, I'm being weird. Just go back to your punching, I don't know. Buffy's like, cool, I will. They're tense. Things are tense between them, just like Rory and Lorelai. Yeah. There's stuff they got to work out. They're not talking about it. The rest of the gang is in front with a few lights on, researching demons. Xander is still resisting telling people they're engaged. Tara doesn't seem to think that Dawn's old enough to do research. You know, she's only 15, the age Buffy was when she started violently murdering things. (laughs) Finally, they let her look in a book, and she's like, that's a weird place for a horn. Oh. That's not a horn. <laughs> it closes the book. Is it its dick? Yeah, I mean, I think that's the idea. Is that what they were worried about her seeing in these books? All these. Yeah, there's a lot of demon dicks. Big dicked vampires? Watchers, uh, they like drawn dicks. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of watchers were celibate, so they were just constantly drawing erotica. <laughs> it's just pictures of demons that the watchers have drawn penises onto. <laughs> <laughs> They're trying to figure out what kind of demon could possibly want to rob a bank. And then Dawn finds another one in the book called Mfashnik, M apostrophe Fashnik, which there's a whole debate about how to pronounce like the whole episode, like how long the M should be. Mm-hmm. It's whatever. Buffy 2 comes out and gives Dawn shit for doing research. Do we got to play clips from season one when you were all 15? <laughs> Speaking of season one through five, Giles walks in. Decent sized suitcase. Maybe he'll stay a couple episodes. Yeah, that's a couple episodes, a suitcase at least. Mm hmm. He and Buffy are very happy to see each other. He's not really sure what to say. She's like, I know, I'm a miracle. He's like, yes, but then I always thought so. It's nice. It is nice. I love Giles and Buffy. They go in the back for a little private chat. Giles says he met with the council. Doesn't say about what. Um, it's not about paying Buffy's bills. No. 
He's got an apartment. He said he almost made a new friend, which seems statistically impossible for a man of his age. His words. <laughs> he didn't seal the deal, though. He said he almost <laughs> made a new friend. I don't imagine he would make friends easily. He's very reserved. Just put that earring in, get his guitar out, he'll have a whole gaggle of friends. That's true. He's got all kinds of personalities. They kind of talk about what it's like for him to be back. They never really say if he's back back or just visiting, though. Then he asked Buffy how she really is. I'm like, Buffy, tell him. This is tell your mom you're the Slayer all over again. It's so tough because, like, they set up in the previous episode that, like, all your friends need to know that you're doing well or else they'll be sad and super upset that what they did, like, guilty for what they did, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. And there's some of that that you could apply to Giles. Like, he's obviously going to be upset that you were in heaven and you got taken out of heaven. But he's not going to feel that guilt. I guess she's maybe afraid he'll resent Willow and Xander and her friends. But yeah, it's just sort of like, you can tell Giles anything. Yeah, yeah, it's complicated. I'm a little surprised she doesn't, but he can tell something's up. He goes back out to the front room. Ani gives him a hug. She's like, yay, we missed you. You can't have the store back. He signed papers. (laughs) Giles knows all about Fashnik. They come from a long line of mercenary demons that perform acts of slaughter and mayhem for the highest bidder. But what's out there powerful enough to control one of these things? Cut to Fashnik demanding his payment, the head of the Slayer, from his employers, who are Warren, Jonathan, and some other guy. Andrew! (laughs) Just sitting on a bunch of beanbags on top of their bank money. Apparently, they told him they were powerful men who command machines, magics, and the demon realms below, which I guess isn't untrue. They've done all those things. He asks which is the leader. They all say, I am. And then he's like, cool, I'm going to kill the leader. And then they all point to someone else. He's like, great, I'm going to kill all of you. Jonathan gets up and is like, come on, we're going to pay you. Just look at all this money. And then the other two pretend that Jonathan is the leader. So that was funny. Dude grabs Jonathan by the throat, hoists him into the air. He's a big dude. Yeah, Jonathan's huge. No, no, no. (laughs) He's like, I don't want your paper payment. So they try to figure out what he might want, which is just exposition to remind us each what they've done in previous episodes. Yeah. Warren's like, I could make you a sex bot, just like I did last season a couple times. Jonathan lays out that he could like do a spell to make his life better. Make him look cool like he did one time. Yeah. Andrew, the other guy, is, I guess, the brother of Tucker, the guy who made the devil dogs in the prom episode? Yeah, I think that they originally wanted it to be Tucker. Yeah, could they not get Tucker? Or did... Yeah, I don't think they could have. But I'm, honestly, I'm glad they did, because Link is awesome, man. That's the actor's last name? Yeah. Yeah, this guy seems kind of fun. Maybe the other guy just wasn't a very good actor? He didn't die, right? The actor? I don't think so. The character? The character? No. If he did, Andrew's very flippant about it because they're like, you made the prom dogs. He's like, no, that was my dumb brother, Tucker. So he hates his dead brother if he died. No, he did flying monkeys to ruin a stage performance of something that we never saw. But Warren and Jonathan remember that very fondly. Yeah. It's very Beavis and Butthead energy for like a second. The demons over all this. He doesn't want anything they have to offer. He wants the head of the Slayer. I don't exactly know why. He's like in battle with her now. I don't know, it's confusing because he was upset that the Slayer showed up. Yeah, he doesn't like that she bested him. And now he's like, my payment is her head. And they're like, okay, go kill her. Like, how were they paying? It was confusing. Also, like, can't he just go kill her? Like, he's a fighter. Yeah. Also, had they not talked about his payment beforehand? Like, were they going to give him paper money? It seems like that was their plan. Yeah, none of this really makes any sense. It seems like the only reason he wants the Slayer dead is because she showed up and ruined everything. Yeah. 
Not because that was his plan all along. I don't know. That's very messy. So they agree. He can have the Slayer head, but they take a second of privacy to discuss the details. Jonathan and Andrew don't really want to kill Buffy. Jonathan says she saved his life a bunch of times and she's hot. Warren doesn't really have a problem with it. It's her or them. They're already bank robbers. Why not tack on some murder? Yeah, I mean, I think this kind of splits the group for us to know that, like, Jonathan and Andrew are, like, shitty and they're willing to do bad stuff. But I think Warren, like, legitimately is, like, a sociopath, at least. I don't know that he's a psychopath, but he seems fine killing Buffy. He only, like, is like, okay, let's not kill Buffy because they don't want to kill Buffy. Yeah. They point out that killing people is not why they got together. Yeah. He thinks that what he says goes because it's his mom's basement. But they're like, no, we teamed up with one super cool mission statement. Remember? Cue flashback of them just like very calmly playing D&D. And Warren's like, you guys want to team up and take over Sunnydale? And they just both say, okay. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> it was kind of like the Tucker flashback. Yeah, I can't remember exactly what that was, but you're right. It was set up to be like a big flashback, and then it was just like a very subtle thing. It was like a girl turning him down for a date, and then he's like, I'm going to kill everyone in prom. Yeah, but she like turned him down pretty gently, too. Yeah, it wasn't even like, it was just like, I'm sorry, I'm not interested. So they're still trying to convince Warren they shouldn't kill Buffy. They're going over their to-do list, which is a big whiteboard that says, Control the weather, miniature Fort Knox, conjure fake IDs. Shrink Ray, girls, girls, the gorilla thing, whatever that means. <laughs> Jonathan expands a bit. The gorillas means training them. He also mentions workable prototype jetpacks, which is not on the list. So they take a unanimous vote that they shouldn't kill Buffy using Vulcan hand gestures. But then Warren privately gives Mfashnik Buffy's name, address, and telephone number and gives him his blessing to go kill her on his own. Why did he already have that prepared? He just, like, hands her a piece of paper he already had in his pocket with Buffy's address on it? Yeah, that's interesting. Jonathan and Warren are like, whoa, how'd you get him to go away? And I think he convinces them he used the force? <laughs> I don't know. Silly. Silly tone. I like their little beanbag platform. They just, like, have this platform where they each have, like, a little beanbag thrown. You pointed out there's a video game behind them going that no one is playing. But no one's playing. And I feel like this was, like, sort of before people watched people play games online. Yeah, it was not YouTube at this time. And this isn't Twitch, so it's sort of just, like, I think this makes sense, but no one's playing that game. So what's happening right now? Yeah. Also, this season is so fucking weird. It just really is. It's, like, dark. And also, it deals with some, like, adult stuff which we'll talk about coming up. But, like, then it cuts to these three stooges. It's just such a weird juxtaposition and tones. I wonder if they weren't just like, well, we're going to be dealing with some heavy shit. Let's add some real goofy shit instead of monsters? I don't know. That might be true. I've got some bad news for you, though, hon. This, 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 this these are the big bads. <laughs> but they're not big or bad. I know, I know. I just don't want you to wait because it's not coming. This is it. This is this is what I hate about this season. <laughs> this big, big, I'm doing air quotes right now. This big bad. Well, maybe we'll love them. Okay, yeah, maybe in the rewatch I'll find a way to love them. Buffy's tucking Giles into the couch using her childhood sheets. <laughs> and she tells him about her money troubles. He's like, Buffy, maybe you're putting too much pressure on yourself. Coming back from hell can be a lot. Again, nice opportunity to tell him, Buffy. But she don't. He tells her tomorrow morning they'll go through all her bills and work it out together. Giles, can you sleep on the couch forever? I like <laughs> that you're here. Also, Giles, we have some stuff we could use your help with. Yeah. 
He must be really good with money. He had like no job for a year and somehow it was fine. Yeah. Teach them about the ramen you were eating or whatever. <laughs> she tells him she's glad he's back. He's like, girl, same. And goes to like lovingly pat her arm. But she's like, nope. And just gets up and goes to bed. It's just like this rejection of affection moment. I don't know that she saw it, but you could tell he was like, but I thought we were going to touch a little. <laughs> uh. <laughs> I'm trying to make it not sex. It wasn't sexy. He was just like trying to. <laughs> just friendly touch a little. <laughs> In England, we all touch a little. <laughs> he was, he was sad. But she got up. Giles touching her arm is going to remind her of heaven, and she doesn't want that. Yeah, there's a lot of arm touching in heaven. Giles goes into the kitchen, which has a door on it. I never noticed that, but he like opens it to go in there, and then closes it behind him. I don't know. The kitchens need doors. I don't remember there ever being a door here. I think there was. I think they're just always open. You might I don't right. know that I've ever been in a house with a kitchen that has like a door. I've been in a house with a kitchen with a door. Was it, it haunted? Was there <laughs> other stuff? Yeah. The wrong pipes with the house? downstairs were just spouting all the time. In like an older house, I guess I could see it, but you'd think they would just be open. It's weird that he like closes it behind him. Yeah. But he's treating it like a bathroom. He goes in there to like freshen up for bed when he's going to pee in the corner. But I think he closes the door so he can tell Willow what the fuck is up. Yeah. They have a confrontation. She comes in for a little snack. She's like, hey, Giles, sure is great. Buffy's back, right? He's like, uh-huh. I'm clearly mad. Tell me about that spell you did. She's like, oh, my God, it was so scary. A snake came out of my mouth and, like, we all could have died. I should probably go to therapy, but I'm coping using midnight snacks. <laughs> She's just, like, super proud and, again, hoping for accolades. Yeah. But Giles just says, you're a very stupid girl. She's like, what? But I'm Willow. He's like, nah, you've crossed some major lines, little lady. I trusted you the most out of this group to respect the forces of nature. But you took a major risk of killing all of us or releasing hell on Earth. She's like, no, I did what I had to do. What no one else could do. He's like, oh, there's others in this world that can do what you did. You just don't want to meet them. She's like, okay, fair. But those are bad guys, and I'm not a bad guy. I brought Buffy back, so maybe you should be congratulating me. He's like, hey, I am so happy that Buffy's back, but what you did was the equivalent of jumping off a cliff and being lucky enough to survive. She's like, I wasn't lucky. I was amazing. And how would you know? You weren't even there. He's like, well, if I were, I would have stopped you. The magics you channeled are more primal and ferocious than anything you can hope to understand, and you're lucky to be alive. You rank arrogant amateur. That's not, uh, that's not the kind of stuff that Giles usually says to Willow. He don't call her rank, but she is being arrogant. Yeah. And, I mean, maybe she is more powerful than him, but, like, he's been around some fucked up shit. He dabbled it back in his day. Yeah, and also, like, yeah, I mean, he's right. Like, you don't know, I, you didn't know that, like, it was gonna make a new entity that was gonna haunt you and shit. Like, obviously, you didn't know everything, Willow. Now, did she mention that part? Probably not. Yeah. But she says, you're right. The magics I used are very powerful. I'm very powerful. And maybe it's not such a good idea for you to piss me off. Willow. WTF. But then she's like, actually, I don't want to fight. Let's not. I'm sorry. I'll think about what you said. In the meantime, just be happy she's back. And Giles is like, you know what? I'm leaving the show. <laughs> He's like, well, we still don't know where she was or what happened to her. I'm far from convinced she's come out all of this undamaged. Is this just a big fight about which one of them gets the top billing in the credits? 
Yeah. <laughs> she pushed him out and got special credit, and he's mad about it. That's funny. This is all improvised. It was just Anthony Stewart head. They just tried to change it about magic. <laughs> <laughs> I like the energy. Could you just make it about magic and not about you guys actually fighting about this? You've had one stupid sex comedy movie, Allison. <laughs> You amateur. Yeah, could you not call her Allison? <laughs> Buffy's on the back porch. Spike chucks a cigarette at her feet to announce his presence. <laughs> it seems like they both maybe overheard everything Willow and Giles were saying, which now that we know that, you were saying before that like she should tell Giles because it seems like Giles suspects something's up. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's just like mean she should tell him. You're right. You don't know where I was. Buffy tells Spike she's feeling pretty burnt out with trying to pretend to be okay so people don't worry about her. He offers to kill them all for her. Aw. That's sweet. They sit down, a la Fool for Love. She asks him why he's always around when she's miserable. He says, because that's when she's alone. That sounds sweet, but maybe kind of creepy. <laughs> I like it when no one's around. They sit in silence for a sec, and then she's like, so what do you know about finances? <laughs> <laughs> Dawn comes downstairs in her number 55 pajamas. Dawn loves numbers. Neither her nor Giles can sleep, so Dawn pitches mixing all the cereals together, which ASP must have lifted for Paris and Rory and Gilmore Girls. But before they can dive into this experiment, there's a wiggle at the doorknob, and then the demon just busts it open. Dawn goes flying. I'm not sure why he even bothered with the knob for so long. Also, is there not a protection spell? Wasn't there, like, something else that was just, like, a general protection spell that they put up around the magic shop? There was, like, an alarm spell they put up when Glory was out there, but, like, since then they might have, I don't know, you might need to keep... You'd think they just always have that. Yeah. Unless Angel's gotta go fuck three ladies for that to happen or something. Yeah, and that's what it is. And <laughs> Angel's like, I just don't have the stamina for these spells. <laughs> if you know what we're talking about in a recent episode of Angel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I guess not everyone knows what the hell we're talking about. There's a bar in Angel where demons can't fight because there's like a spell in place that keeps demons from fighting. But we find out this is true because the owner has these three women that do a spell like every couple weeks. But Angel also has clearly had sex with these three women. Is that related to Lauren's deal with them? I don't think so. I think that that's just like a special additional relationship he's had with them. Also, does Angel just be fucking ladies? But he doesn't love them, so it's fine. I guess. But you only recently found out that whatever. Listen, pleasuring three floating women is very, it's a lot of stress. There's no way you can have a moment of pure happiness during that. You're trying to please a lot of people. Yeah. The dude tosses Giles through the banister. He realizes Dawn's not the slayer, but she'll do for now. Shelly T's got a good scream. I'm sorry, what? Michelle Trachtenberg? Yeah, yeah, you, you shortened it to Shelly T? Yeah, isn't that what right. we all call her? That's what we all call her, Shelly T, yep. She's got a good scream. Just as she finishes screaming, Buffy shows up. She's mad the dude ruined her front door. She throws him into the coffee table, immediately realizing that was a mistake. He says, you've cost me, Slayer. What did he cost her exactly? Maybe He's I missed pride. something. Like, what did he think his payment was going to be? They robbed the bank. That was the goal. Yeah, I don't know. This whole fight's pretty funny, though, because she's just like very aware of the fact that she's breaking things. Yeah. <laughs> something she's never worried about while fighting in this house or anywhere else before. She like makes a comment about how Joyce had to pay for all this stuff before. She catches a vase at some point. Spike shows up to help. Buffy's like, no, put him in the kitchen. And then she asks him to open the basement door. Yeah. <laughs> You can see Spike's face is sort of just like, what are we doing? <laughs> yeah, but she probably wants him down there because there's less stuff to break down there. Yeah. There's like a couple feet of standing water in the basement. 
they tussle. He grabs the tricky pipe. She's like, no. She beats him with another pipe saying, full copper repipe. No more full copper repipe. I don't really get that because full copper repipe is what Tito said they needed. That meant yeah. like replacing all the pipes. So why is she saying no more full copper repipe? Well, I think because they did replace it and he was breaking it and it's expensive. Oh, you think they replaced it already? Yeah. But they didn't clean up the water? I guess not. Or, yeah, I guess that's a good point. I don't, I don't think they replaced it yet. It's been like no time. Well, I, I mean, like that'd be it's a huge not project. One piece of bar? He said they had to replace like all the pipes in the house. No. Unless they did replace it and she was saying, we fixed it, you unfixed whatever. That's how I took it. Let us know if you know anything about pipes. But uh, the pipe beating worked. She's either beat him enough or drowned him in the water that he's dead. But there's water running out of the pipe that he broke. Spike peeks down. He's like, whoa, did you know this place was flooded? The three boys are happy. The Slayer killed their loose end, which they somehow heard about happening. I don't know who reported that news to them. It was all contained within Buffy's house. They've got money. They've got a periscope and a flamethrower and some action figures. Is that what they needed money for? Just toys, big and small? Yeah, I mean, I think it's to fund whatever they're going to do this season. All the dumb, stupid shit they're going to do all season. I mean, it's great. It's I'm so excited for it. Great. I shouldn't poison the well this much. I'm sorry, everybody. Maybe I will learn to love it rewatching it. Maybe it'll be great. <laughs> Again, remember, Warren, you could just start a multi-million dollar sex bot business. Why are you robbing banks? Yeah. They still need to figure out what they're going to do about Buffy, though, since she's probably going to find out about them and come after them eventually. They pitch hypnotizing her and making her their willing sex bunny. Very funny. There's so much about that that was just really disgusting. So number one, right, it's like, uh, do, do, I keep wanting to say Doyle. Jonathan, I'm the, the most disappointed in. Because I feel like up until this point, Jonathan was like, yeah, he made some mistakes and stuff, but it's because he's like hurt or rejected. And the mistakes he makes, he doesn't want to hurt anybody else. Like in Superstar, he sacrifices his whole cool, super awesome everything to save Buffy's life and to like make things right. So they've set up that Jonathan is like, you know, a bit of a fool in some regards, not like intellectually, but his heart's in the right place. And here he's like, we're going to make Buffy into a sex bot. I'm like, that's not what? That's gross, man. Yeah. Well, not a sex bot, a sex bunny. Yeah, sex bunny. But then the other problem I have with this is you've already made a Buffy sex bot. Do that again. You can have that, man. (laughs) Like, I guess the idea is that they need to neutralize her so she's not a threat, but I don't know. But they could do that without making her their sex slave. Yeah. Also, I don't, Andrew, do you want a sex slave? Do you want Buffy as your sex slave? Do you? He doesn't, he seems kind of asexual to me, actually. Uh, well, yeah. Okay, I'm wrong. He feels like a 12-year-old boy that hasn't discovered girls yet. Yeah, I don't know that he will. Is he gay? Anyway. Huh. They add it to the list, regardless. Then they talk about wormholes for a while. Jonathan lights a cigar with a hundo. They're very excited about season six. <laughs> about season six. Big season for them. Buffy's back. They're trying to repair everything she broke. Anya's calculated how much it's going to cost to fix. And like you said, Buffy finally realizes the financial burden she must have been on her mother trashing their house so many times over the years. They still don't know who sent the demon. Right. Willow Pitch is doing a locator spell. Giles just glares at her. Xander gives up on trying to save the coffee table like he's in a medical drama. And everyone except Buffy and Giles and Dawn go outside to take out the rubble. Buffy tells Giles she doesn't think she can do this. He's like, yes, you can. Your mom got through stuff like this all the time without superpowers. 
And then the phone rings. It's Angel. He's somehow heard Buffy's alive, and they're going to meet at a place in the middle. Sounds like they've maybe been to this middle place before. What's this about? Mm -hmm. Giles is like, okay, so you'll go do that tomorrow. We'll deal with the bills today. She's like, I have to see Angel now. And just pieces out. She doesn't yell. <laughs> no, but she's like, I'm going right now. It's, it's going to yeah. happen. I get it because, I mean, they've both kind of died and come back. And um, they're very special to each other. And Angel, Angel's maybe the one person she could tell all this to, honestly. Yeah. So maybe she's like burning to be like, I got to tell Angel because I can. But also like Angel's probably like desperate to see her. Yeah. But Giles kind of gives this look like, you're not going to deal with the bills though? He probably still hates Angel a little bit too. Well, that's it. Brian, was this a good one? No, I don't think it's a good one. Um, I do think it was kind of funny and it had some really good moments. Yeah, I didn't hate the Jonathan stuff. Some of that was funny. You mean the trio in general? Yeah. In a vacuum, that didn't bother me. I just I just know where we're going with their storyline, so I'm <laughs> rolling my eyes before it even has happened. Mm -hmm. The Giles and Willow scene was great. So good. Yeah, I was going to say, that scene was like, oof, because you never see them really fight. Not really. Or Willow even really being that way. Right. But, I mean, Giles just being that angry at one of them. Like, you've maybe seen him do that to Xander a little bit, but... Um, and Buffy. He got mad at Buffy in the end of season five. Yeah, but when he got mad, it was more of like, a, we're at our wits' end because we have to make terrible decisions and you're not willing to. Mm -hmm. Which is like an anger that it's just more out of frustration because there isn't a good option. But here it was just like, no, you fucked up. You know, like you did yeah. a bad thing. Not like you're not willing to make a hard decision I know you don't want to make. And I don't like your attitude. Yeah. And the Giles and Buffy stuff was nice. Yeah, oh, Giles made a joke. We missed when he comes out. He's like, oh, you know, I'm back in America when I get knocked unconscious. Mm -hmm. <laughs> One of my favorite lines in the Buffy universe ever is when Cordelia is talking to Giles. And she's like, you keep getting knocked out like this. One day you're going to wake up in a coma. And she's like, wake up. <laughs> wake up. Coma. That's funny. Um, yeah, it was kind of a goofy one. It except was for the moments goofy. that were very serious. Yeah. I didn't like that demon. I, he doesn't make sense to me. No. They just needed something that could fight since those guys don't fight. Yeah. It was a dumb beast monster, whatever. Okay, well, should we move on? Let's do it. And now for a special segment we like to call Meanwhile on Charmed. Charmed was another popular WB show airing around the same time that neither of us has seen. But we're discussing it anyway. Based on only its IMDb summaries. Stacy, what happened on Charmed? Meanwhile on Charmed Season 6, Episode 4, The Power of Three Blondes, when three evil sisters, Mitzi, Mabel, and Margot, magically steal the Charmed One's identities and powers, Piper, Phoebe, and Paige must convince Chris that they are the real Charmed Ones in order to get their lives back. Who's Chris? Chris was a white lighter from the future. Yeah. That came and helped them at the end of last season. Right, right, right. And he loves birds, and they sent a bird back with him to the future to repopulate the birds, because in the future there weren't birds. No birds. Okay, so the witches generally are not all blonde. They're all, like, brunettes, right? Yeah. So they must also change their hair color. No, 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 no. It's the evil sisters are all blondes. Right, but if Chris doesn't realize that they're not different people, somebody's hair color has changed. Well, it says it magically steals their identities. So I mm -hmm. think that like it's like a spell where people are like, yo, no, these three blondes have always been the white lighters that run this bar. P3. They're not all white lighters, babe. Right. One is a something else and the other one's a thing. <laughs> I think Paige is a white lighter. Right. So Chris is hanging out. He's come back. 
He's just like, I love visiting. It's cool seeing all the birds. Mm-hmm. There's so many more birds here. The birds haven't evolved very well in my timeline. It's just mostly these two pigeons. Evolved very well? Are they Pokemon? Well, no, but like if he's just starting over with birds. they're. I mean, all they in... haven't like bred yeah, very well. There's they're just one of kind of bird. Yeah. It's got to wait like millions of years. It's sort of like annoying. They're like, can you like do something? Else? You're just staring out the window at the birds. He's like, I love it. Birds are cool. Who are you guys? He can start to tell something's off though because though they've stolen their identities and powers and somehow convinced him that they're the sisters even though they look different, they act a little different. Yeah. Mitzi is ditzy and Mabel looks old as shit and Margot is super clumsy. Which is not so different than the other three <laughs> sisters. No, I guess not. <laughs> But it's, like, different. You can just tell. They're also always eating ice cream. Yes. And it's sort of just, like, you guys are never not eating ice cream because they are obsessed with it. And he just feels like that doesn't seem right. Meanwhile, Phoebe, Piper, and Paige are also there. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, he's preoccupied with the birds. But they set up this whole, like, I don't know, sort of, like, game show situation where he asks them questions about his relationship with birds and sees you can get the most questions right. Great scene. He's like, what's my favorite bird? The real 3P, they're like, we know, it's a falcon. He's like, yep. But the other three, the blonde ones, are like, no, you love geese. And he's like, geese? What? I hate geese. Geese suck. It's the one bird I don't like. How could you not know that about me? Fuck geese. They're mean. They're mean. And he just berates them for a long time about how stupid it was that they thought he liked geese. Yeah, yeah, he has all kinds of foul words (laughs) for geese. (laughs) And he doesn't even have to do anything magic to get them to leave. They're just like, okay, that's enough. Like, we get it. We fucked up about the geese. And he's like, you're going to wait until this PowerPoint is through. Reason number (laughs) 22, geese suck. And then they just, like, relinquish the powers and they they go. Probably to some other town to steal some other set of sisters' powers. Yeah. Well, they're debating relinquishing them. And then Ditsy Mitzi accidentally relinquishes them. And it Mm. was like, oh, well. And Piper's like, I like her. Yeah, I really feel like I identify with her. And she identifies as me. So that's weird. And Chris is like, this was really fun. I'll probably be back. And then throughout the credits, it was kind of fun. We just see more and more of that PowerPoint about how much Chris hates geese. Mm-hmm. There's not do a lot of post-credits stuff, but yeah, this was nice. She's like, they honk? Why do you honk? That's not what a bird sound. Anyway, this has been Meanwhile Uncharged. I don't know about where you live, but here in New York, every day is starting to feel more and more like fall. Fall is, of course, the best time of year to watch Gilmore Girls. And what's a Gilmore marathon without a delicious cup of coffee? Stacy and I have recently discovered Bean Blossom Coffee, available from SignatureHomestyles.com. It's a well-balanced medium roast blend with a rich aroma and fruity notes made from 100% sustainably sourced Arabica beans. So far, we've enjoyed their Breakfast Bliss blend, their delicious sweet vanilla bean flavor, and of course, our favorite, and what we're drinking right now, buttery pecan. The perfect taste and aroma to wake up with on a chilly fall morning. Or in our case, afternoon. Right. But Signature Homestyles features much more than just coffee. They're America's online destination for home goods and decor, featuring candles, frames, lighting, wall decor, and more. They have these cute little gnomes with gourds for hats. I could totally see Laura like giving one to Bad Bad. Mm-hmm. Signature Home Styles is everything you need to get your home ready for a Gilmore season or to get a jump on your holiday shopping. Don't settle for second place home decor. Get the best at Signature Home Styles, transforming millions of homes in the USA for over 50 years. Browse their collection today by clicking the link on our episode descriptions or our social media bios. And I can't recommend enough the pecan coffee. I love pecans and I love coffee. And we love pecan coffee. Check it out.
So then we watched Gilmore Girls. Brian, tell us about Always a Godmother, Never a God. Okay, so this episode is about uh, your friends manipulating you. My friends? <laughs> this episode is about Jackson and Suki baptizing their kids and Lorelai and Rory like meeting each other after having not seen each other for a while. It's also about a whole host of other things. It's about Lorelai missing Rory. It's about a lot. It's about a lot. Lorelai has decided as they're redoing the house that she's going to purge a bunch of the useless stuff she doesn't need. So she started with a bunch of old VHS tapes, but she can't seem to get rid of a lot of them, like old taped episodes of 21 Jump Street. Luke says that she should buy the DVDs. And she's like, well, they don't have the commercials. And I'm kind of like with her on that because there is something nostalgic about like watching old commercials you used to watch with TV shows. Like, I don't know. It's not something I would want to watch a lot, but like a little bit, it would be interesting, you know? Yeah, like those pop up on YouTube or TikTok from time to time, but it's probably because there's a Lorelai out there that still has them. Yeah. Otherwise, unless like the company releases them, how would we even watch that anymore? But yeah, I get what she's saying here. And Luke's not being pushy either. I feel like the show does a good job of him being like, this is your idea. I'm just telling you how I feel about it. I had a couple movies like that when I was a kid that we just had them recorded on VHS from TV, like the um, the movie Annie. Mm-hmm. I remember like the commercials were just part of watching it. Right. I don't even know if I would fast forward through them. I mean, it's funny. It, uh, movies that were taped off of TV always had stuff edited out, so that sucks. But Yes, I actually remember we got the Annie VHS at some point, and there was like a bunch of extra scenes. I was like, what the hell? This is not my movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. But you know what's also ironic is that occasionally it's the opposite, where the TV version will have extra scenes. Mm. Because it's sometimes the TV version isn't long enough to fit when it's supposed to be, so there's like scenes that they've added to make it fit. That's I, you don't see that a lot, but that that does happen. I think I recently heard that's true of the Harry Potter movies when they were on TV a lot. They oh, yeah. would add in like the deleted scenes. Well, she's going through all these movies, and a lot of them are like bad movies because Lorelai loves bad movies. She loves having movie marathons with shitty movies. One of them was called Riding the Bus with My Sister, which stars Rosie O'Donnell. Uh, I don't know that this movie would get made today. It seems a bit problematic. Maybe it would. I don't know. But she was just like, oh, this would be a great movie to watch with somebody. Wonder who. Rory. Scene's got a couple funny things. Like, Luke is upstairs and he won't come down. And so she's like, fire, fire. So he comes down. At the Emily household, Emily has sent her newest French maid to the pool house to remove all of Rory's summer clothes and force her to wear appropriate clothes for the season. This sort of mirrors Luke and Lorelai's VHS scene. Well, Luke was, like, telling Lorelai that he thinks she should get rid of some of these VHSs, but he's not pushing her to. He's just like, you should. You know, I feel like you should, but you do you. This is the opposite, where Emily's like, yeah, you're getting rid of this clothes because I think you don't need them. It's not an option. Yeah. It's funny because Rory is, like, telling the maid, like, no, no, we're keeping these. No, I'm going to layer these. No, I wear white after Labor Day. Like, keep these specific clothes. But then she gets distracted because Emily calls. And when she goes back, the maid is just taking all of her clothes. And yeah. Rory's just like, uh, maid? Ma- maid? <laughs> maid? I have to switch out my closet when the seasons change. Me too. Do you? Yeah. Your closet you can see all of. No, there's a bunch of stuff that's in the top or in the bottom that I packed away because I wasn't going to wear them. Oh, yeah. You just, like, put stuff in, like, suitcases and boxes. Mm-hmm. Mine, like, goes back a ways. I can't reach it. So, like, whenever the season switches, I have to, like, flip it so that I can reach the fall stuff. New York. We actually have pretty good closets for New York. Emily called because she's stuck in Helsinki due to weather. So Rory's going to have to run Emily's DAR mixer. I don't know what the fuck these events are. What, what are the, what's a DAR mixer? I guess it's just fancy rich people stuff. I don't know. It was like an art exhibit, this one specifically? 
Yeah, but like I, I just don't really understand what these events are really. I get having like fundraisers, but yeah, I don't know. But this one's not a fundraiser, I don't think. Right. Is it? Not that I could tell. I think it was just to look at this art. Yeah. Rory just walks around super micromanaging the caterers in a way that would make her grandmother proud. Yeah. She even sees, like, some garnish on a tray and, like, Emily's anti-garnish. So she just grabs it and just, like, puts it in her pocket to get rid of it. Nora is there. You remember her from the DAR meeting last episode where they were talking about banging the forefathers? She's there really admiring a painting of George Washington in a way that's like, okay, um, is this just because it's art or is this because you think he's super hot? They've all got things for the forefathers. That is kind of a funny sub game. Yeah. It's clear she's, like, not happy in her marriage, though, right? Because the guy talks about George Washington's wife getting this painting done. And she's all like, yeah, I want to get that done, too. And she mentions a name, and it's, like, her dog, not her husband. I guess I didn't assume she was unhappy in her marriage. I just assumed she really liked her dog. No, that's true. She'll like her husband when he's aged to the point where he's got white hair. I'm sure that's what she's waiting for. Or when he gets a musket. Yeah. I like the end of the scene. They're, like, out of coffee, and Roy just starts shouting for someone to make coffee. Yeah. It's very Emily. Yes. Logan shows up and is acting like a big old sad sack boy. Rory tries to show him off to some of the fancy old rich white women, and he is, like, uncharacteristically uncharming and monosyllabic. He just, like, starts drinking right away and heads out to the pool house at Rory's suggestion to wait for this mixer to be over. She finds him there later, and he's invited Colin and Finn over. He's like, that's cool, right? She's like, yeah, it's cool. A little bit, it's like, well, should he have invited a bunch of friends over to your house? But you can tell Rory's kind of like, so I kind of hate that they're here. Yeah. Oh, and like Colin's milkmaid friend from the Netherlands, she doesn't speak any English at all. And Colin is a real piece of shit about it. Like, really. He's bored with her and annoyed that she's always around. He says she's lost her appeal since he brought her back from the Netherlands. Like, what a what a garbage person he is. Like, what a terrible person. Like, yeah. I hope something bad happens to him. Like, <laughs> first off, how did they interact in the Netherlands? Sex? Wait, did she want to bang this guy she couldn't even talk to? Maybe. I mean, that could be part of it. Even if, let's say she spoke only English. Okay. Probably someone you have like a fling with in Europe once you have to like bring them back and interact with your friends. It's going to be a different dynamic. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> Listen, I have some experience with that and I was never a piece of shit like Colin was. Right. But yeah, how do they interact in the, in the Netherlands? Okay, let's just say it was steamy, hot, passionate lovemaking all the time. You guys can still do that here. But I just can't imagine, like, spending any amount of time with someone that you couldn't talk to. Like, the sex stuff might be great for, like, a month. But then you're like, okay, like, I would love to talk to you about literally anything. You and I are very expressive, very in tune with each other, like peas in the pod. And we still miscommunicate. I can't imagine someone you literally can never talk to. Like, they don't know a word of your language. The miscommunication would be off the charts. It's weird he brought her back. Because, like, he yeah. had to know that it would be annoying to just have her be around and not understand anything. Totally. Well, also, she's in the Netherlands, and I find it hard to believe she doesn't speak English. That's actually a big red flag for me. She's got to be dumb. Like, ev- when I went to the Netherlands, like, every single person there spoke English. Yeah. I remember meeting a girl. She was, like, 10. I played chess with her in the park. I was there by myself. This wasn't weird. It was, like, a giant chess game, and I was just like, anyone want to play? And she's like, I'll play. She spoke English in two other languages, and she thought it was, she's like, yeah, I need to learn a fourth. And I'm like, girl, you're, like, barely alive yet. I beat her in chess. I just want to point that out. Not important. It's just. I like Finn's little. Sub game. Yeah, so he, the whole time, is just calling women to come meet up with him. And they're all, like, engaged or with somebody else or he's done something terrible to them at some point. It's pretty funny. Just give him the milkmaid. Yeah, why not, right? At some point, he even asks Rory, like, are you staying with Logan or? (laughs) 
I love when he asks if anybody has a sonnet he can use, and Colin <laughs> says, like, the Nantucket poem. He's like, stop it, Colin. I'm not trying to propose. <laughs> <laughs> There's also a funny line where Colin's like, yeah, I don't know why I ended up with this girl. And then Rory's like, well, everything looks good when you're stumbling out of an Amsterdam coffee house, which, by the way, that's where you buy and smoke weed or at these coffee houses. It's funny now because nowadays you can smoke weed in a lot of the United States, so it's not even that unique, but it used to be unique. And Finn, like, covers the phone up and he's like, yeah, tell me about it. I hit on a bike for, like, an hour. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of fucking bikes in Amsterdam, guys. There's a lot of bikes. You have no idea. There's a lot. Roy's apartment is, like, simultaneously beautiful and also way too much. Yeah. There's a lot of, like, bold colors and patterns. And, like, individually, I like it. Like, I do like her couch. But when you look at it from, like, a wide shot, I'm like, it's it hurts. It's too many things. I would love to live there. Now, it's, like I said, a lot of it seems cool, but I'm like, there's maybe a lot going on here. So much nicer than our apartment. Well, yeah. There's also a pool. Yeah, I know. I want a pool. Uh, By the way, Colin's friend is Katrinka, and she sits next to Colin, and he, like, straight up, like, leaves her on the couch and is like, let's all get food, and then just forgets about her. And, like, Rory has to be like, you forgot your milkmaid. What a piece of shit, man. He's, it's too much. Like, this dude's bad. I don't like him. I don't know if we're supposed to like Colin. She must be, like, a little dumb, though. Like, they're all clearly going somewhere. She just sits there. (laughs) Like, you'd think she'd be, like, okay, I guess we're going somewhere. Well, maybe she's stoned still. Who knows? Maybe. Yeah, Colin usually seems like the better of the two. I, I don't know. Finn's game is he's like always trying to hook up and he's sleazy, but it's played in a way that it's like so over the top that it's not actually like gross. I feel like Finn is sleazy, but like he's very upfront about it. Yeah. If that makes sense. He's like, I want to sleep with you. I'm letting you know that's what I'm going for right now. If you're in, cool. If you're not, that's fine too. Like what he's saying is shitty, but it, I don't know. It's, it's played in such an over the top way that it's funny and not gross to me. Yeah. Colin's just kind of a bit of an asshole, I guess. Like, he was kind of a jerk to Marty. Yeah, I don't like Colin. And he was like, oh, yeah, I hate my family. It's like, yeah, it's probably because you suck. And he's not as funny as Finn. Right. At the end, Suki and Jackson are arguing again, which is probably flirting or foreplay for them. They're going to have another child after this. Jackson really wants to baptize their kids, and Suki doesn't. She really doesn't want to host Jackson's family. That's the real issue, because they're a mess. And so they're arguing, and they're arguing, and then Lorelai's like, well, you can have them stay at the end. You know, you're a part owner. That To me, that makes sense. It's sort of like, if you have the rooms, let them stay here. Yeah, totally. There's a really funny moment where Suki is just, like, trying to... They're comparing how much time they've had to spend with each other's families. And she's trying to do some, like, mental math. And she sort of, like, breaks down. Yeah. And Lorelai's like, stop it, Suki. Stop doing math. You know what hurts your head. <laughs> it's very funny. So then they're like, all right, we'll just have it here. That'll be great. But then they still decide to fight over the fruit. Because they... I mean, this is foreplay for them. We, that, I mean, it just is. They like to fight. Yeah. They fight about stressed out zucchini. Lorelai goes home that night and she looks at her VHS copy of Riding the Bus with My Sister and then calls Rory, maybe to invite her over, maybe to extend an olive branch, maybe just to see what she's doing or, you know, I feel like this was maybe her being like, maybe we can patch this up. Well, you know, I'll start talking about the movie and that'll make it so it's clear we can be friends again and we can maybe start to patch things up. Mm -hmm. But the phone number's been disconnected. What? Yeah. What the hell? The next day at the end, Jackson and Suki warn Lorelai that the family's coming and Jackson's brother, Bo, played by Nick Offerman, for some reason maybe thinks Lorelai's an infomaniac. She's like, what? How? Why? And she's, they're like, well, Rune, remember Rune, a.k.a. Whistler, might have told Bo that she was an infomaniac. So Bo comes and checks in, oozing sexual energy and making all kinds of eyes at Lorelai. It's all very funny. At some point, he like licks his room key. 
I love all of this. There's a lot of really funny jokes in here. Well, first of all, the scene opens with like this really cool shot that like zooms in to Lorelai and Michelle at the desk, like through yeah. the window. I feel like the Bo character, they they don't go over the top with it. Like he has like three little scenes where he's like a lot, but then we don't spend the whole episode on him. Yeah, he's super creepy, but it's funny enough because it's not like too much. Yeah. And he never like says like, let's bang. But it's just like I, he definitely wants to bang. He also, he says, I'm like, I'll give you my room number. She's like, yeah, I checked in. I know where your room is. <laughs> she says, welcome to the dragonfly. He says, welcome to Bo. <laughs> also, when Suki and Jackson are going to like try to tell Lorelai, they're like, did you tell hmm about hmm? And she's like, why do I get the feeling I'm one of the hmms? Yeah. He also like keeps dropping change the whole episode. And I, I don't know if it's ever explicitly said. I feel like he's trying to tell Lorelai he's got money or something. Does he do that in this scene, too? I thought that was just at church. No, it's just at church, but I don't understand why he does it. I also like when she finds out that Bo thinks she's a nympho. She's like, I only said one word to him. Hi. And it was not in response to, what's your sex drive like? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. it was funny. We also have a lean storyline in this episode. Zach and Brian are at Luke's, where Zach has had inspiration for a song. He was just sitting there silently meditating, waiting for a muse to hit him. And then he comes up with a song idea. He's just like, ah, 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 oh, 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 oh. I'm not getting it right and I don't care. But he's just like, Brian, write that down. Ah, oh, oh, ah, oh. And Brian's like, I, what? What is that? Ah, and he's, ah, 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 oh, oh, oh. That's, that is what it is. Ah, 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 oh, 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 oh. <laughs> do you want to do it together? We can't do it. Um, I can. At some point, he even like calls himself to leave a message, and Luke just hangs up the phone. <laughs> Suki comes in very excited to show Luke a wedding cake topper that she found that has a groom on it with Luke's butt, an exact replica of Luke's butt. Suki, in this scene, is really applying the pressure to Luke to lock down a wedding date. And if I'm being real, I feel like that's super unfair of her and not cool. Yeah, it's weird to, like, go behind Lorelai's back, too. Yeah. It's not like Luke fucking knows if Lorelai doesn't. Right, and I think, and I said this before, I do think it's okay for her to pressure Lorelai a little bit because they're friends. She knows Lorelai, and she knows Lorelai has sort of, you know, made decisions about weddings before that maybe weren't the best. So I don't have a problem with her pressuring her friend because they have a special relationship. But it's weird to go behind her back and try to pressure Luke, who... If Luke pressures Lorelai to make her do something she doesn't want to do, then that's bad. That's going to harm the relationship. It's putting pressure on Luke that he doesn't deserve, and it's not Suki's place to do that. He also points out that Lorelai doesn't want to get married until things are good with Rory, which Suki seems to, like, know. Like, that's not right. new information. So it's like, Yeah, he well, says it to her, like, you know that. So then she should respect that. Yeah, and he's respecting Lorelai's wishes by not setting a date. And Suki's like, don't respect her wishes. Force her to do a thing she's not comfortable with. Right. I don't like that. To be fair, though, Lorelai treats Suki terrible all the time. So it's whatever. They both make mistakes. Like that sure. time Suki just like didn't show up to get the sink or whatever. Yeah. I mean, she had a baby, but she also like said she would do it. But they do both agree that this fight between Lorelai and Rory is stupid and it should be resolved. When Lane gets home later, she finds out that the boys spent all of that $9,000 she saved on a bunch of computers and equipment for recording. 
it's clear that they maybe got conned and swindled and maybe spent more money than they should have. Like, they are just talking about how amazing the salesman and, like, wistfully smiling about what a great guy he was and what a great deal he gave them and how much he cared about their music. And now they were having a once a year 30% off sale or something like that. And it cost exactly as much money as they had. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which makes me feel like, oh, they got conned. And they don't really know how any of this stuff works. And then later they give up and trying to make it work. So maybe she was right for not letting them be in charge of the money. Yeah, I mean, there's so much to say. She's really pissed. But on the one hand, it's like, well, you did just unilaterally decide to not give them their money. In a way, you could say that's stealing. You stole from them. And starved them. <laughs> Yeah. So on the one hand, like that wasn't a cool move that you made, Lane. Admittedly, this scene does suggest that these guys should not be allowed to have money. <laughs> so yeah. hard to say. But the scene is pretty funny because Lane is extra pissed because they had to go through her underwear drawer to get the money because that's where she had it stored. And Zach is all like, it was for business, not pleasure. And Brian is like, my eyes were closed. I did it completely by feel. Those lines are all very, very funny. They both needed to put their hands in? That was also like, why are they both doing this? It would be like, Zach, you do it. It's fine. Lane is pissed that they spent all this money. Especially because she apparently has done a bunch of research on all this stuff. So, like, she would have made a much better decision than they would have. And also, nine grand seems like a lot of money for what they have there. Yeah, they have, like, a computer. Yeah, I mean, they have some other stuff that's not defined that might be recording stuff that admittedly might be expensive, but nine grand for all this seems like a lot. We'll get back to that later. At the end, Jackson's family is maybe stealing their booze and DVDs. Yeah, Michelle thinks they are, but he's been right about thieves before, I think. Yeah. Suki asks Lorelai if she would honor her by being Martha's godmother. And Lorelai's like, oh, yeah, that's great, sure. And then Suki's like, also, I think it'd be great if Rory was Davy's godmother. Lorelai obviously feels uncomfortable about this because she's going to have to, like, be in the same room as Rory at this baptism. And she's sort of, like, alluding to this. And Suki, like, super guilt trips Lorelai into letting Rory be the other godmother. Yeah. And another time where I'm like, come on, Suki, come on, be a good friend. You're, a good, you're such a good friend 90% of the time. And then you do have stuff like this. Lorelai pitches like a string of other people and Suki's yeah. got excuses for why they all can't. I don't know if those are real. I don't feel like they are because later she says this is all planned. I feel like maybe some of them were true, but like sure. one of them was someone moved like the day before, I felt. Yeah, one of them is insane now. One doesn't have good balance. Yeah. So she's like, all right, I'm going to see my daughter. So the next day, both Rory and Lorelai wake up with their boyfriends in separate places. And it's kind of cute because the scenes mirror each other a little bit. And they ask their boyfriends which dress would go better with the baby. They're also both like lying awake in bed before their alarm goes off. Yeah. Dreading this day. On the way to the baptism, Rory stops by Lane's. Probably because she just remembered that they're friends. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking this meeting is awkward because they're like, we haven't seen each other in a while. But I guess Lane was on tour. Yeah, but they have cell phones. Yeah. It did feel weird, like, wow, we haven't talked in a while. Are we still friends? We're different characters now. Right, and Rory doesn't have school, so she's just around. I feel like they would have gotten together as soon as Lane got back. Yeah. This conversation, too, is just, like, super weird. Rory asks her a few questions about her tour and Zach. If I'm being honest, it comes off a little shallow and, like, routine. Like, she should have asked these questions a while ago before, I don't know. It feels like she has to ask these questions before she dives into her own issues. Sure. Lane says about two words about a tour and a relationship with Zach, and then she's all like, I gotta see my mom again. We find out that Lane is not sleeping with Zach, by the way, but he is allowed to tell the boys that they are. Rory's like, you're a good girlfriend. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I feel like when I was in high school, not their age, I would like didn't want my boyfriend telling people what we were doing. 
Yeah. Because I was worried that would like make me see him. You were also religious. Promiscuous. Yeah, exactly. But I guess so is Lane. Well, she she's isn't. Not, she isn't. That's the reason she's not. Right. I mean, the sex to marriage is something that it's like cognitive dissonance in her head. Like she's like, why do I feel this way? Like I don't believe these things. Why do I have this one religious belief? Yeah. Rory insists that taking time off from Yale was the right decision for her. But she wonders if her mom and her will ever talk again, even if she decides to go to school again. Lena's like, whatever. The show is called Gilmore Girls. You're going to make up. You were due for a big fight. You're way too close. Lane's also started padlocking her dresser. Yeah, that was really funny. She's like, why is there a padlock on your dresser? And Lane's like, uh, it's a long story. But then Rory's like, okay, so now that my stuff's out of the way, tell me about your tour. It seems to me like they would have had this conversation before. But she's also got like 15 minutes and she's got to go. It's unclear how long Lane's been back. It's maybe only been a day or two. Sure, that's true. At the baptism, Rory runs into Kirk and compliments him on his suit. And he's like, thanks, it's the suit my dad was buried in. What? <laughs> Wait, that doesn't make sense. And it's so funny because Rory's like, I'm just going to decide to let that go. <laughs> I didn't really think through how that doesn't make sense. Well, we also have a guy who takes things from dead people. Kirk has done that with all these women he's romancing. But he would have had to dig up his dad. Yeah, 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 yeah. He also has a sub game of he's treating this like a wedding and he's like, which side of the aisle is for Martha's friends and which side is for Davy's friends? And he's trying to decide which side he should be on and which side other people are on. I love too. He's he's like trying to figure out which one he likes more. He's like, I've had some contact with Davy in passing. High fives, peekaboos. Martha's more reserved, elusive. <laughs> <laughs> like they're full ass people. Yeah. Jackson comes out and is like, my mom is going to make me get baptized too. Apparently I got out of it when I was a child and I got to do it now. So Bo is going to be his godfather, I guess. Rory and Lorelai see each other and it's awkward and maybe they're going to talk. But then the priest shows up and is like, I got to talk to you guys. He takes him in the back and he's all like, I know you guys, you're good people, but I really don't know what your religious affiliations are. And since you're going to be partly responsible for the baby's religious upbringing, I was hoping you could tell me about it. This scene is pretty funny because it's clear they don't have any religious beliefs. Lorelai's all like, well, you know, if I had to choose, I would definitely choose good over evil. And Rory's like, well, I read The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe once. Is that religious at all? Yeah, it's like a bit of an allegory for Jesus. Okay, I haven't read it. Lorelai says she might have a Bible. Yeah. So I had a Bible. I might have given it to Goodwill. But Goodwill is religious, I think. The priests are like, well, those are some really nice, irrelevant details. <laughs> But he says, like, all I know is that you guys are good people because you did this when your friend called you. And, you know, that hits Lorelai's head, like, called me. Wait, what, 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 what? In this moment, it's unclear to me, like, what Lorelai's thinking. Because I was thinking she's like, oh, Suki set this up. But I feel like that was obvious anyway. She goes back to the baptism where we learn that Martha has all the middle names they were going to give their other children. (laughs) Just super funny. They said that, right? Yeah, I think they did, yeah. I didn't think it was that many, though. In that episode where she was born. Yeah. During the baptism, Lorelai is just like clearly mulling over some stuff about Suki and Rory and is not listening when the pastor asks her to renounce Satan. It's funny. Suki's like, "Uh, people don't usually hesitate when asked if they're going to renounce Satan. (laughs) Bo immediately is like, Satan can kiss my ass. I feel like that would not be the first question they get asked. Yeah. I don't know that that's even a question they would get asked, honestly. It's just a funny joke. But, like, also, who's, like, not going to renounce Satan? And if you're someone who's not going to renounce Satan, I feel like you wouldn't be above lying about it. Right. You know, if you're worshiping Satan, like, you probably don't have a problem lying. I um, am a godmother to three, and I don't ever remember renouncing Satan. Yeah, and that's why those kids are messed up. Just one. 
Lorelai's like, hey, uh, Rory, we've got to talk outside. So she takes Rory and the two children outside to discuss some stuff. She's like, why does Suki have your current phone number and I don't? Rory says, I lost my phone and I got a new one. And Emily left me a message that Suki called. So I called her back and I gave her the number. Lorelai's like, well, first off, just put your service on hold so you can keep your number. Which I'm like, yeah, why? you got to keep your number. I've had the same number my whole life. I want to say I had a different one at some point. And I had to change when I got new cell service. But at some point, they made it so you can just transfer your number between companies. Yeah. But Suki comes out and is like, um, we're doing a baptism and you like stole the babies. <laughs> so, okay, yeah, 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 we'll go inside. After the baptism, Bo tries to seduce Lorelai. She's all like, whatever Rune told you is wrong. And he's like, really? Like, you didn't get knocked up at 16? You're not a mom? You haven't been dating around? You haven't been engaged a few times? And she's like, all right, fine. All that's true. I'm a horn dog. <laughs> Whatever. She's not interested yeah. in you. That's funny. Did you say when he licks his finger? No, I don't remember him licking his finger. He, like, greets her by licking his finger, and then he touches both of their clothes. And he's like, what do you say we get out of these wet clothes? Oh, that's right. <laughs> so gross. Rory goes over to Lorelai and is like, hey, you can have my new number. But Lorelai doesn't want it. Probably because she doesn't want it out of obligation or pity. She, like, is still upset about it. But Rory was kind of extending an olive branch, but uh, I guess not nicely. Yeah, I feel like what Rory could have said is, hey, I'm sorry I didn't give you my number. Here it is. But she says, like, you can have it. Like, I guess I will allow you to have my number is sort of the vibe of it. Not, like, that mean, but, like, sort of. A little bit, like, sure, I I, I guess I, if you want my number, I give it to you. Lori doesn't want it. On her way home, Rory calls Logan at Yale, and he explains why he's been in such a bad mood. Logan's dad finally sat him down and was like, this is the year you make something of yourself, and you start your part of the Huntsberger legacy. So he's overwhelmed. He says his preordained life is kicking in. Yeah. Logan clearly wants to escape all this, and he's like, let's just do something crazy and go to the airport, and we can take a stupid impromptu helicopter trip to New York. And she's all like, uh, okay, why wouldn't you? She always thinks about it. He pitches going to New York all the time. I'm like, yeah. go to New York in his helicopter, dude. Well, last time she went to New York on a whim, she missed her mother's wedding. What did she, a baby shower? What did she miss? Graduation. <laughs> We've not seen her mother have a wedding or a baby shower. <laughs> <laughs> there was an episode you missed. It was called Laura Like It's Married and Has a Baby Shower, and then it was all a dream. <laughs> <laughs> I guess she was pregnant in a dream. But she's fighting with her mom right now. Miss the baby yeah. shower. Yeah. Also, you don't have school. Just do it. You've literally got nothing going on. Community but service, I guess. What day is it? I assumed it was Sunday because that's when church is. But Logan's in class and then he's like, let's go for the weekend. You don't have community service till Monday. Well, you said that's when church is. But I mean, baptisms can happen any day of the week. Tell me about your baptisms. From my experience, though, baptisms happen like as part of the church service. I'm from a church that baptized yeah. babies. And we would just set up the thingy and do it at the top of the church service and then proceed with church. First off, I want you to know that I had like a super elaborate baptism thing at my church. You were a dunker, no? We were dunkers. And <laughs> that was the name of our denomination. <laughs> we were evangelical dunkers. No, I went we to like sprinklers. a- <laughs> There wasn't a sprinkler. You would like pour a little on the The baby. Bible clearly says you dunk. It does. It doesn't make sense what mine does. But that's the only way to get to heaven is to baptize babies. I went to like a mega church, one of those evangelical churches that's like everyone there has money and there's a million people that go there and it's very like fake, nice kind of thing. And it's a lot about appearances and stuff. And the church had a lot of money. 
and it had this like giant stage and it would like it was a huge church mega church but like there was the stage but then up the stage several feet up there was just like this room that would like across it would like open up and behind that was like where you, there was like a fucking pool giant pool and they would like baptize people and i wanted to get baptized super bad if i'm being real probably because i wanted to be a star and it looked cool yeah you want to be on that stage yeah get in that pool well i was baptized against my will before i i think you were waterboarded honey <laughs> back at the gilmore house lorelei and paulinka are watching riding the bus with my sister and lorelei says to herself just isn't the same no the end paulinka's so snuggly i know i love him he's such a good he's boy cool. Yeah, he is a good boy. He's all curled up on her lap. He's scared of everything, but he's a good boy. Yeah, he's good for her. So, Stacy, do you think this is a good episode of Gilmore Girls? No. I mean, it wasn't, like, bad, but it, it it's just sort of transitory. Yeah, it, it feels a lot to me like Buffy in terms of it's like that part of the season where we can't get into the real messy stuff yet. We can't really knock up the drama yet. It's just a stepping stone to get to the next episode. We'll sprinkle in a little bit of season plot in there, but not too much. But it wasn't a bad episode either. It was like any Gilmore Girl episode. It's funny. It Like Kirk was funny. I definitely laughed out loud at parts. So the show, even when it has an episode that's not like blowing me away, I'm still enjoying the shit out of it. Yeah, it had really good jokes. I enjoyed watching it. The only thing that was like a big negative was, I don't know, Suki's behavior. Suki's behavior was annoying, but it was not crazy it was like sure you did some stuff that was whatever but Lorelai's done stupid shit before too so and I don't know Lorelai like interrupting the baptism is not cool but like no something she would do she always yeah makes big moments about herself but yeah I, I don't really have much more to say it just it did sort of set up Logan yeah having some issues I think totally did we also got to see Rory sort of flourish as a hostess That's yes in her grandmother's shoes. Mm-hmm. So that's also sort of contributing to the distance, I think. It seems like she's sort of doing well in this new life. Yeah. The scenes were fine. The jokes were good. But as like an episode, the plot wasn't that good. So, Brian, which episode do you think was better? It's very tough. It is. I'm going to go I'm going to go Buffy. But really it's it's split for me. Yeah, I, I think probably Buffy. Just for that Giles and Willow scene, yes. really. I didn't hate the setup of the trio. Yeah. Like, that was kind of funny. I didn't like the demon. It didn't make any sense. But I think purely for the Giles of this episode, it was just a bit more memorable. Mm-hmm. It's hard, though. Because I, I think Gilmore Hat was almost like nothing really wrong with it, but it's not a standout, where Buffy was sort of like, some of it was pretty stupid, but some of it was great. Yeah. And both were funny. If Gilmore had been way funnier and Buffy wasn't funny, I might have gone Gilmore, but both had funny stuff in them. Yeah. Buffy worrying about the, the furniture was really funny. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a hesitant Buffy. Yeah. Agreed. Okay. Well, if you want to watch along next week, we'll be watching Gilmore Girls Season 6, Episode 5, We've Got Magic to Do. As well as Buffy's Season 6, Episode 5, Magic Sometimes is Bad. Oh, wait, no, I'm sorry. It's uh, Season 6, Episode 5, Life Serial. In the meantime, we'd love to hear your thoughts on the episodes discussed in this podcast. Like, do you think it was wrong of Suki to pester Luke about a wedding date? What other previous characters from the show Buffy do you think would have made fun additions to the trio? What happened to Tucker? Who do you think is worse, Colin or Finn? Or Bo. Do you think that somebody should be helping Buffy with these bills? Hey, we didn't even talk about that. What are Willow and Tara doing? Yeah, we're going to talk about that 
in depth, but what the hell are they doing living in this apartment and not helping with the bills? I don't know why I can't say house. They're living in a house, not an apartment. <laughs> Whoever's living in this house should be getting a job and contributing to the rent at this yeah. point. I get why they couldn't pay rent before because they were like pretending Buffy was alive. Let us know. You can reach out by following us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok at Gilmore Slayer, where we post interactive questions, comedy sketches based on each episode, and more. Or send us an email at brianandstacyreviews at gmail.com. Brian with a Y and Stacy with an EY. From our bonus content, find us on Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash Brian and Stacy, where we post weekly video recaps to show Angel, host monthly live streamed watch parties at Buffy and Gilmore Girls, post monthly podcast outtakes, and share early extended episode previews. And shout out to our new Patreon subscriber, Krista Kessler. Thank you. For more non-podcast content, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel, also called Brian and Stacey. If you want to support the podcast, you can do so by making a donation of your choosing via the link found at the bottom of the episode descriptions or in our social media bios. And if you like what you're hearing, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. If you do, we'll give you a shout-out on an upcoming podcast. All right. Anyway, I'm going to go through your underwear drawer and then call my friends and tell them that we're banging. Okay. They don't already know? No. No, I didn't know I was allowed to. You'll never guess the combination. <laughs> It's one one. Shh, don't the maids will hear. Bye.